Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed Vav in Maseches Gittin. If you're, if you're here, you want to Lamed Vav next, I think. We've said too much. Uh, let's start five lines up from the bottom of Lamed Hey Amad Bez, because we have an interesting, even though you got up to two dots, I didn't know that. And we have an interesting, very, actually fascinating halacha over here. Uh, as always, this year is Leil Nishmas of Chaim Zev Milenowitz, that's all. But can we also throw in uh, Birnbaum has a big meeting today, and so in the schus of uh, and in the schus of our learning, why not? Let's throw some of it his way. It should go well, Bezrat Hashem. We could do that, right? So, yeah, it should go well. Uh, we love Birnbaum. He's central to our learning, and uh, and uh, it should go better than his wildest dreams. Okay, so now, we had an interesting concept. With regards to Hafaris and Darbim, the Machlokas of Nachman and Rav Papa, about when, when a person does a faris nadarim. Now, you might recall, we learned Masechus nadarim, so this is not such foreign territory for us. A person makes a nether, yet uh, there is such a thing, you can go to the rabbi and do a faris nadarim. You can undo your nether. There is a fundamental machlokas. Rav, Nach, Rav Nachman says, you, when you do so, you don't have to go through the details of the regret, so to speak, right? Um, how, how, how do you get out of the nether? You have to go to the rabbi and say, listen, had I known that this and this circumstance would happen, uh, I'm in this circumstance and these are all the circumstances and had I known that these other circumstances would happen, um, then I would never have made the nether. And then the rabbi determines that you made the nether sort of erroneously under false assumptions. Okay? Now, how detailed do you have to explain the circumstance? Well, as so many things, Barry, there's a balance, right? Because... If you were to say that you have to uh, outline every single detail, so then that would mean that you have to do so. And then if you missed some of the details when you were describing your regret uh, and, and, and the erroneous circumstances, then you actually cannot undo the nether, right? Because once you say that it's, that it's a prerequisite to give all the details, so now if you miss a detail, you can't undo the nether, even if like the nether should have justifiably been undone. So therefore, Rav Nachman says, We'll stick with Rav Nachman for now. Rav Nachman says, for that reason, you can keep the story simple, right? The kiss principle, right? You can keep it simple when you're doing the Afaris Nadarim. However, five lines up from the bottom of the base, we're going to challenge this idea that you don't have to tell over all the circumstances of your nether. You don't have to... Um, Right, articulate every single thing because of the following mission of Bechorus. Tanan, we learned the mission of Bechorus the following, a fascinating halacha. Hanoisen, Nashim, Baver, Pussel. I don't know if you knew that, Andrew, that a Kohen, this is referring to a Kohen who lives in sin. How so? Because he's married to one of the women, right? Isha, Zona, right? He's living with a Grusha or a, right, uh, or, or a Zona, like he's not supposed to be living with this woman, right? Because Kohanim can't just marry anyone. And yet he did. Ba'avera. So as a consequence of that, he's not allowed to do the avoda. Okay? So not everybody knows that. But if he's living in sin with another woman, he's not allowed to do the avoda. He's puzzled. Amazingly, says the Mishnah, Ad Yidor Hanaha. Now we are familiar with this from the Dharam. Yidor Hanaha means that he separated from her. He made a neder did this Kohen, that he's not going to live with the woman in sin anymore. He cannot have an off from her anymore, so they're separated, right? He's not going to be living with her anymore. 
What is the amazing halacha here, Barry? That he, once he makes that nether, we don't need to wait for him to divorce her in order to be able to resume doing his avoda. The nether is enough. Just making a nether that he's not going to be with her anymore is enough to enable him to qualify to resume his avoda hamikdash. Wow. Betani Allah, and there's a bracelet to that effect that spells out the sequence explicitly as follows. Noider ve'oved yoredu megarish. Right? He makes the nether and then he can go ahead and immediately resume the avoda hamikdash and, you know, take care of the actual Right, details uh, the logistics of the garrison later. Right, you could do the garrison uh, at your own pace. Once you're already separated, you made the 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 ned there that you're not going to have enough from her. Um, you're no longer considered to be living in sin, even though technically you're still married on paper. You can resume the Cohen can resume his avodas of mikdash. Wow. Now this is being brought, this mission in Bechoros is being brought as a challenge to Rav Nachman because the Gemara says, If you truly hold like Rav Nachman that you don't have to spell out all the details of your Hafaris Nadarim, then then we should be concerned. Maybe he's going to go to a Chacham and undo the nether, which is to say, right? Obviously, no Chacham would let him out of divorcing an Asura. Right, in other words, if a chacham had, if you had to spell out the details, you'd never be able to get out of this nether. So it makes sense that you can resume your avoda, right? Because any self-respecting rabbi would be would be uh, t- saying, "Let me hear, let me hear." You want to get out of what a nether? You made a ne- you're living in sin, and you want to make a nether that you're not going to continue to do so. Yeah, you should have made that nether. I'm not letting you out of that nether. If that's if you have to spell it out, but if you hold like Rav Nachman that you don't have to spell it out, then the rabbi of the shul will be none the wiser, and you don't have to explain to him your circumstance. And then, in theory, the coin could get his nether undone, and if that's true, that the coin could get the nether undone, so then why are we so uh, convinced, why are we, that, that he's going to uh, not undo the nether? In other words, why does the fact that he made the nether already qualify him to do the avoda? This nether is precarious. He could always undo it easily if you hold like Rav Nachman because after all, you don't have to explain the circumstances of your nether and therefore you could easily undo it and it shouldn't be so reliable that you can continue to do the avoda because it's so easily undone. Oh. So the Gemara answers as we finally write, Nachman will say, He's making it a public nether. Once you make a public nether, the Chachamim can't undo that nether. We discussed yesterday already the idea of making it birabim. Usually when it's birabim, you, uh, a Chacham can't really undo that nether as easily. However, the Gemara points out that was a machlokas. Says the Gemara, That makes sense according to the Manda Amer that says that when you make a public nether, you can't be made for it. And therefore, it's such a reliable nether that you can already assume that they're totally separated and the coin can already resume doing the uh, voda. However, that itself was a machlokas, says the Gemara. What are you going to say, according to the opinion, that you can be made for a nether, right? If you, can, if you have an opinion you can't be made for a nether, so then the fact that he did the, made the nether in public doesn't really help. It doesn't make that nether so reliable because after all, according to Rav Nachman, he doesn't, it's public, but you could still undo it and you don't have to spell out the circumstances of your nether. So 
It's too easily undone. You can't rely on it to allow the coin to resume as a voda. So the Gemara says, it's, all right. We didn't mean to say that he was, makes a nether bear rabim, but rather the madrina lay al das rabim. He made the nether on the uh, public opinion. First Rashi on Lamavavim Ralef says, Kach yomer lo, anu datenu. Aha. Okay, so this is almost like he's doing the bidding of the public. The public comes to him and he says, you better make this, oh, you live in sin? So the whole shul, right, has a meeting and they call him in to the meeting and they say, okay, Yankel Pippuk Finkelheimer Hakoin, we decided together that you are making this nether. You are no longer going to live with that woman. And he says, okay, okay, well, once you say it, Aldas Rabim, then that nether, the rabbi can never undo. Why? Even if you hold that a publicly made nether can be undone through hafaras nadarim, aldaas rabim ain't lo hafara. Right? A nether that is done by the bidding of the public consensus, that cannot be undone. And that makes sense because as Rashi explains, that, uh, no, Rashi doesn't explain. I don't see it in Russia over here, but uh, but as, as we'll see soon, the, it, it makes sense because after all, right? You cannot undo public consensus. In other words, again, it goes back. There's alumnus here, Barry. Why do we? Or how do we undo a nether? Because had you known this, you wouldn't have made that nether. Well, that only works when you're talking about like one human being, and you could say, oh, maybe he made the nether erroneously. But how do you get everybody in the shul? How, how can you speculate, so to speak, that everybody in the shul is of the same mindset? You know, when you take a large group of people that's, that's deciding, right? Again, when you do it, berabim, so it's still dependent on the individual who made the neder and what his mindset was. So it's just a question of whether the fact that he did it publicly matters. Okay, so that's a machlokas. But when you do it, aldas rabim, now, in order to undo the nether, you have to make sure that every single individual in the shul, so to speak, or in the public, that... It, that, that, right, was motivated to do this nether, they all regret it. That's impossible, right? You can't just know what's in everybody's mind. And so you can't account for everybody speak, is making this nether erroneously. And that's much, much harder to undo. And therefore, it is more reliable. And if it's aldas, Rabim, you know, when they did this shul meeting scenario, you cannot undo it. Okay, however, there is a scenario where you can assume there is an exception to that, says the Gemara. There is a scenario where even when everyone's together, you can undo it. How so? Says the Gemara. That would only be if it's something that's for shus, where it's some optional thing. Right? But if you want to do Fars and Dharm, you can even do it if it was done al da'as rabim, if it's to do a. Dvar Mitzvah. The Gemara is going to give an example of that. Right? But first, let's understand the concept. The concept is that even when the entire public gave a, gave a scenario, right? even when the entire public decided that we're going to impose a nether on someone, then when they realize that that imposition right, precludes him from doing a mitzvah, so then we can all assume that they would have rather undone the nether and allow him to do that said mitzvah. Crazy example in the following case. What was the case? The, um, the Hasidish Rebbe that hits the kids in Cheder. Okay, here we go, Andrew. I'm saying old school. It happens to be the one guy that I knew 
you know, for my kids, happen to have been a Hasidish Rebbe. It could be also Litvish Rebbe. Kiahu Makri Dardaki. There's a certain school teacher, right? A Cheder Rebbe. The Adri Rav Achal Das Rabbi. Rav Achal said, you know what? You can't teach kids anymore. Why? Dava Pasha be a nuke. Yeah, because he used to beat the kids. Rashi, right? Chovtan Yoter Midai. A little too much. Get carried away. Pachim a little much. A little much. Vehadri Ravina. And Ravina wanted to reinstate him, right? So in other words, again, they, they brought, they had a shul meeting and they fired the Rebbe because they said, you know what? You're beating them kids too, up too much. And Ravina says, no, but we can't get Rebbeim that care this much. Uh, he was so good, right? As a balance. He, 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 he may hit the kids, but he's a really great Rebbe. So Ravina wanted to reinstate him. They just, you can't find good Rebbeim like this guy. This guy really cares. He's very medayik. He's very precise. And therefore, we should undo it. That was able to be done. Why? Because of the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. The mitzvah of Talmud Torah is so great. So the guys were hawking me about this last night. Like, can you really say that it's worth it to, to beat the kids? So I said, listen. I mean, if it's a power trip, obviously it's, it's a horrible thing. It, this isn't, uh, this can't be that case. This is that, uh, the, this is a, obviously referring to a Rebbe that's so, so sincere. Every time he, he potches the kid, it hurts him more than it hurts the kid. You know, he's doing it like lightly. He's doing it for the, uh, for all the right reasons, you know, shame of Malchus and all that. Okay. So, so maybe it was that scenario. Like we don't know the exact scenario, but it's a fascinating case where the school teacher was reinstated because everybody understood that even when they, made him make a neder not to teach kids anymore, right? That that was, that could be undone because they realized that he was a uniquely um, qualified Rebbe. Okay, fine. So 11 lines down, two dots. This is where Andrew got up to or Barry got up to. So up until now, it was, it was Chazara. Getting back to getting here. You might recall that the Mishnah said on Lama Dalit that the Witnesses sign on the get. Now, what was shocking in the Mishnah is that it said that the witnesses sign on the get. The Gemara is nonplussed. What do you mean the witnesses sign on the get? Isn't it like essential to a get to have signatures on a get? So the Gemara, signatures on a star in general is a daraisa, not just on a get. How do we know? Because Andrew, where's that Pasuk? Want to play that game? It's in your, your meal. It shows this is this is a a, a generalized pasuk. Right uh, in Jeremiah, okay. Sados yiknu. Right. So in that context, they're talking about buying fields, a star mechira. Right. That you're buying things and you have a transactional document. But the point is, in that context, we say. What are you going to do? You're going to have a transactional document. You're going to have a chesova sefer. And you're going to have witnesses. And you're going to have signatures. So this is the anatomy of a regular transactional document, of any document. So we see a that in the Torah itself, we see that that's the anatomy of an of a official document. So whether it's a get or a shtar mechira, it should always have signatures. So what are you saying that these signatures are going to be so, so the Gemara says, I'm a rabbi, low. Do you believe this, Barry? That the reason why we have to say that the, that the signatures here in Pnei is because we hold like Rabbi Lazar, as we famously know, 
that that's the machlokas of Rabbi and Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Lazar hold Eidim Yisira Karsi. Rabbi Meir says Eidim Chasima Karsi. And according to Rabbi Lazar, what makes the krisus? What creates the severance? The fact that there's witnesses at the time of the delivery of the get. So if that's the case, then it's not essential to the get to actually have signatures on the get, as opposed to Rabbi Meir who says that no, once that you have to have the signatures on the get. Now, okay. Now I get uh, Rabbi Lazar would 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 agree that you need to have signatures on the get, and because because it's always better to have a document that's signed. Um, but it sounds like Rabbi Lazar would say. What this is a this is a little bit of a chiddush that even though any document should have signatures, it's not the signatures that's essential, and and presumably uh, she's divorced even if right you only have right the adim uh, witness the actual transaction the handing of the get okay uh, and 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 as we've said many times it's amazing so that means that our mission has to be according to Rabbi Lazar. some of the mishnayos have to be according to Rabbi Meir some of the mishnayos. And getting have to be according to Rabbi Lazar. Why did Rebbe put it together and not tell us which is which? Uh, as we famously know, because so that the so that the yeshiva guys can start, you know, putting on their training wheels and get their lumdish cup going. A straight binary, right down the middle, uh, lumdish difference, um, abstract thinking, um, two different ways of seeing every Mishnah in Masechus Gittin. Be that as it may. Our mission is Rebbe Lazar because we say that the chasima is not essential, but rather it's only mipnei tikkun olam. So what was the tikkun olam? Says the Gemara, Tikinu Rabbanon ate a chasima mipnei tikkun olam. The zimnim de maisi sahade, right? The Rabbanon made um, a takana to sign the get, nonetheless. Why? Right? Because sometimes the witnesses that are the edim asira die maisi or inami zimnim de azalim de asayam, or sometimes they move out. So if they die and move away, you're not going to find them. And there it's going to be a hassle, right? At that point, the woman's holding the get. She says she got it, but anybody who's going to witness that is no longer available. And you don't have that opportunity. We've already discussed this in the very first Dauphin getting. And therefore, in order to avoid uh, that situation where she's stuck because she can't prove that she was actually divorced and that the, the bill of divorce, the get that she's holding in her hand, is, it was part of a legitimate procedure, we make sure that there's signatures. Once there's signatures, Barry, then you could say, look, these signatures are, this is an authenticated get. You know, we're not going to go so far as to question those signatures, right? So by signing, right, the get, she can always use that get as a proof of the divorce, because it's no longer just like a, like a blank parchment, but it's now something that speaks for itself, so to speak. Okay. That is, that is if you hold like our mission is like Rabbi Lazar. But, as we always say, we try to understand each mission through the prism of Lazar and Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yosef Amar, Afilu Tamil Rabbi Meir. Even if you hold like Rabbi Meir, that Eide Chasim Akarte, and you need the Edim, maybe the halacha is like this. He's Kinushi Edim, if Arshin Shemoseim begin, Mipnei Tikkun Olam. That the halacha is, uh, the tikkun olam of our Mishnah is not that the Edim have to sign. That, Mermeyer would say, is essential to the get. But rather, the tikkun olam part is they have to sign their names. Beferish. What do you mean? Kedetanya. Because in fact, we have a Bryce that says, Barishona, Hayakosev Ani Ploni Chasamti Eid. That's literally what he writes. In other words, he writes literally, I, Ploni, have signed. And he doesn't write his name. He writes Ploni. Why would somebody do that? It seems like almost an extra step 
to write Plony. He could just sign his name. No. He says, I, Plony, have signed this. Why would he do that? This reminds me of the restaurant. You ever go to the gas- restaurants in the gas station in Israel where there's wax paper, like there's wax on the napkins, like waxy napkins that are non-absorbent? It seems like an extra step to put wax on it just to make it ineffective. Anyways, so here, I don't know why he would go out of his way to write I, Plony, and like be anonymous. But be that as it may, So what's the point? If you write Ani Plony, so now it becomes a question of do you recognize his handwriting? So if his Ksav Yad can be validated from elsewhere, right? You can compare it to something else and do like the handwriting analysis, then it's kosher, vim, lav, puzzle. Yeah, but if you could say this is block letters and this could be anyone or whatever, you can't manage to, to, to uh, right, pin down this specific handwriting to a specific person, so then it's puzzle because it's not a good A, this. And therefore, right, because you can't say who it was. So, Amaram Gamliel, Takana Gadola Hikskinu. So, Gamliel says this was a big deal. I guess it was very prevalent to say, to write Plony. So he says, no. So they made a big deal and they said, guess what? This is where they invented actual John Hancocks, right? Actual signatures. Say your name. Your signature should just, should also have your name on it. Wow. So you heard it here first, Andrew. This is where they came up with the idea of a signature, not just a scribble that says, um, I anonymously sign this, but you actually sign your name. Now we know who you are. And that's the Tikkun Olam of mission. Not that you have to sign it, but that you have to sign it with your name. Says the Gemara, is that really true? Did everybody always sign with their name? Weren't there certain um, famous rabbis that had like a branding that their signature was known and it wasn't really their name. It was like a symbol. For example, Rav Tir Kavra. Rav used to draw a fish. Rav Hanina Tir Harusa. Rav Hanina used to do a palm branch. Rav Chista Samech. Rav Chista just drew letters Samech, like a circle. Rav Hoshea Ayin. And Rav Hoshaya would draw an Ayin. And Rav Barvuna Tir Machosa. Rav Barvuna drew a sail. That's the coolest one, I think, a sail. What, what, what would Andrew's be? That's an interesting question. Andrew, you've got to work on your branding. Oh, it would be a watch. Okay. Thank you. I wouldn't have known that. Barry's would have been the SUV. But ever since we made fun of him, he went back to the sedan. We've never seen it again. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. You would just draw I know. Yeah, I would draw an invisible Invisalign, right? An aligner. You, it's invisible, but it's there. Yeah, you can't see it, but it's there. And incisor. Good. Good, Andrew. I like that. It would be a canine, but I hear your point, Andrew. Okay, so the... So the, these would be their symbols. So what, what happened with this big takana of writing your name? Says the Gemara, shiny Rabbanon, the Bikin Simno. Yeah, the Rabbanon have branding, right? Everybody knows, everybody knows Rabbi Baravuna's sale. Come on, that's Rabbi Baravuna. So once you have the branding, so then you don't need to have, everybody knows that that's you. So then the Gemara, however, asks a fascinating, I think quintessentially Jewish question. Mikara b'mayef ke'inu. It's a lumbrous question. Yeah, but how did the branding, like what happened? The first time, how did the branding become branding, right? How do we get used to their symbol? There had to have been a first time where he hadn't used it before, and it was the first time, and it was not recognizable. So how did they justify that? Like the very first time, Rabbi Barvuna drew a sail, everybody must have been a little confused. What is this sail? Where's your name? Says the Gemara, Badiske, yeah. Before he drew it on, uh, on these... At transactional documents where it mattered and you need to have your recognizable name, he was drawing it on all kinds of general correspondence, Shilas Achuvas, letters, you know, Pashkevilim, you know, different things that 
that were not of cons- as consequential. And therefore, his shtemple, as they say in yeshivas, became recognizable, right? Uh, that one was for Birnbaum. He likes when I say shtemple. It became recognizable. And therefore, that's how it became recognizable. Once it was recognizable as such, you could use it in the shtaris as well. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to work on our stemples, Barry. We've got to work on our branding. I used to have a lion with braces because lion is la vie, but I don't do braces anymore, so it wouldn't make any sense. Um, and anyway, nobody in America knows that a lion is a la vie. I mean, not nobody, but you know what I mean. So I've got to work on a different brand. Mishnah, 18 lines up from the bottom, two dots. The Mishnah said, Hillel Hiskin Prusbel. Let's go. Now we're going to get into the topic of Prusbel. You know what Prusbel is, guys? Prusbel is like this. Usually, the Torah says that when Shemitah comes, any loans are forgiven. That poses a big problem. Because if loans are going to be forgiven, then as Shemitah approaches, why would anybody give a loan? Right? It's a month before Shemitah. But the, the guy's desperate for a loan. He's ready to take any cash advance. But nobody wants to give it to him because they fear that they will not get their money back because Shemitah is going, is going to nullify, cancel out that loan. So Chazal, Hillel, was metakein, the concept of prosbul. Prosbul is you write it up and you say that Shemitah is not going to cancel out the loan. And that will enable people to lend because they won't fear that Shemitah will cancel it. The question is, how does Hill have the authority to do that? The Torah says that Shemitah cancels it. You know, the Torah doesn't always tell you what financial things. I mean, we're going to, God willing, learn about Bakama, but Metziah, there are parameters that the Torah will tell you, right? How much you pay for Nezek, what the monetary thing should be. But a lot of times people are allowed to make a monetary uh, decision between them, you know, a monetary arrangement. The Torah allows you to make independent monetary arrangements. But when it comes to Shemitah, the Torah, it's, it's one of the scenarios where the Torah does tell you what to do with your money. It says, cancel your loan. So how does Hillel circumvent that? The Torah told you that you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to circumvent. So how does it work? Says the Gemara. It's not an hatam. So, so again, our Mishnah says that Hillel is mistaking it. Now we're going to discuss how, what gave him the authority to do so. So we learned in the Mishnah in Shvius, right? That has to be Shemitah. Prusbul ain't a Right? So that's what a prusbul does. When you write something called a prusbul, at the very end of today's daf, we'll see that the prusbul is a amalgamation of, of a few words. That'll be like tomorrow's beginning of the daf, but that's what's called a prusbul. Okay, so it makes it so that the loans don't cancel. So says the Gemara, that's one of the things that he was talking. Right? You saw the people were apprehensive about lending because they weren't going to get their money back. Right? Because by not lending, you're actually violating another principle in the Torah, which is that if you see right, a person is needy and is in need of a loan, you shouldn't be mean. Right? You should not withhold loans. Right? It's a beautiful idea. Don't be mean-spirited, you should be magnanimous and be, and it's a mitzvah to lend money. So people were violating this mitzvah by not lending money because they didn't think they were going to get the money back. They, they were not uh, magnanimous. Uh, they were coming from a point of scarcity, okay, in their mind. So Amar Vizkin Prusbul, Bezehu Gufa Shel Prusbul. So Hillel stood up and he made a Tukhan of Prusbul and this is the formula that's the essence of the Prusbul as follows. It says, I submit before you, Dayanim, in such and such a place. 
that any debt that's owed to me by so and so, Sheikh Ben calls my Sheikh I can I can get it back whenever I want, even right if it's during Shemitah. Wow, or after the Shemitah passes. Wow. And then Bahadayanam Khosmin Lamata Ho Oh Haidim. And then either the judges or witnesses in that context sign and boom, it works. You circumvent Shemitah. So asks the Gemara, is that a thing? Can there be such a situation where Mido Raisa, the Torah explicitly said that you don't have to pay back the loans because that's Shemitah cancels them and Hillel just says, no, I don't think so. Where the Shemitah is not going to cancel it. We're going we're gonna to say that the loans have to be paid back. Does he have the authority to do that? So Amar Abaye, that we're talking about a, that you're right. You're right, Gemara. You can't just, if it was really Shemitah Midor Raisa, you would not, Hillel would not be able to circumvent it. But Hillel was talking about today's Shvis, which is what? Derabanan, Verebihi. That follows the opinion of Rebbe, Detanya, Rebbe Omer, Vezed, Dvar, Hashmita, Shamot. The Pasuk of Shemitah, when they are darshaning, it says that this is the part of Shemitah, Shamot. What is Shamot? Why does it say Shemitah, Shamot? Why the double language of Shemitah and the Pasuk? Because Bishte Shemitah, Sakasim, Medaber. There's two kinds of Shemitahs. Achat Shemitah, Skaka, Vachat Shemitah, Safim. As we know, Shemitah has multiple elements to it. The famous one, if you live in Israel, that's Tolui Ba'ar, a mitzvah Tolui Ba'ar, it's a Shemitah where you have to let the land rest. That's called Shemitah's Karka. And you can't eat veggies. Well, you can't have, make commerce with veggies. You have to go around it somehow in order to eat them. You could get them, you can go to the field, right? Everything's half care. But the point is, right, you can't sell veggies in the supermarket so easily. You have to, you have the Shemitah issue. The Achas Shemitah's Ksafim. And then there's a separate issue that apparently is not totally Ba'aretz because as we will see, this had to do in Bavel and everywhere else. And we do make Prusbals here in Baltimore and everywhere. Right? So that's a different aspect of Shemitah. That's a financial Shemitah where you don't have to pay back the loans. And, however, even though there's some distinctions between these two kinds of Shemitahs, this is one similarity as, as follows. When Shemitah, Midah Rice is applicable to the land, then it's going to be applicable to the monetary. When it's not applicable to land, it is not going to be applicable to the monetary. Or another way of saying it is, however, whatever level of Shemitah you have on the land, that's the level you have on the kosher money. So the Shemitah on the land, if it's deraisa, then the Shemitah on the money will be deraisa, and Hillel Zakin would not be able to circumvent it. Whereas if Shemitah on the land is midera banan, as, it, as we will see uh, soon enough, then the Shemitah's Ksafim will also be Darabanan, and once it's only Darabanan, so then Hillel is one of the Rabbanan, right? He can decide that to, to qualify it and to circumvent it with a prusbal. Now, why is it not, why was the Shemitah not Midar Raisa? So there's a big Rashi, B'Shvish right? And it has to do with, even though that he says, Svir Leila by the Vice Shani, Hoel Velohaya Yovel Noheg Lo Nago Shemitin Midar Raisa. And so that's a Gemara, that's a whole sugya, actually. In Erechen, Daflam, and Beis, and Beis, Rashi is uh, ex- explaining that he learned different ideas about this, that, first of all, there's the idea of Yovel, that 
because why is Shemitah Darbanan? Because there's no Yovel. This is the whole Gemara in Maseches Erech and Lamed Beis and Beis. You need a gathering of the Shvatim in order to have Yovel. Uh, it's called Kol Yoshvea Aleha. It's called Kol Yoshvea Aleha. What does that mean? That the Rove of Klaiso lived in Eretz Israel? Well, that would mean that it would be reinstated now. For the first time in thousands and thousands of years. I'm going to get emotional, Andrew. <laughs> For the first time in thousands and thousands of years, most Jews live in Israel. Isn't that unbelievable? It's, it's, it's actually unbelievable. Now, does that constitute as Kol Yoshvea Aleha? I don't know. Maybe you need to have most of the Shvatim or all of the Shvatim. Some representative of Eve Shevet. You know, we lost 10 of them. Did we regain them? Did we not? That's far beyond my pay grade. But the point is, if you have Kol Yoshvei Alea, then Yovel's in, reinstituted. And once Yovel was reinstituted, then in fact it would be the Orisa and Shemitah would be the Orisa. But it's not as, as of this writing of the Gemara. And therefore, uh, that, would be, that would be actually... Uh, a controversial thing, a, a topic of Tzarech Iyun. There's a Tosfos on the bottom, is Mashat HaMeshamit, that quotes Rashi and spills over to Ahmed Bez. So anytime you spill over to Ahmed Bez, you know that you're in for a treat. Also, Rashi himself says, in, in the Gittin Yerushalmi, that it's that uh, a different source for why Shemitah is only Noeg when Yovel's Noeg. And at the f- bottom line um, of Rashi, he says, V'omer Machlokes. You don't see that too often. Right? She says, it's a machlokas, it's a whole hawk. So it's archiyan on that issue. But suffice it to say that Abaye's shot is that since the Shemitah is Midurabanan, then the, since the Yovel's there's no Yovel, the Shemitah is Midurabanan. So now we turn to Lamvavim Bez. That the whole Shemitah, Midurabanan, is a Zecher Lishvias to the actual Midurabanan. Once it's only a takanas like a zecher leshvius, so then he'll can circumvent it, and you could be do make the takana prusible. That's the gemara. So now you can ask the converse question. Wait a minute. So are you saying that midoraisa you're supposed to pay him back, and without a prusible, the chazal can make it takanas not to pay back? Uh, in other words, in the absence of a principle, we're going to cancel out the loan, as Rashi says beautifully. in the Shamit, third line. How do you tell a guy that he has the authority? How does the Rabbanon have the authority to tell a guy not to pay somebody back because of a zechel Not paying back has a name; it's called stealing, right? You can't just borrow money and not pay it back. Okay, so the answer is the Gemara. Amar Boom. That's all he says. Okay. Nuclear. Rashi. Shevel Tase. Yeah. That, that the mitz, that it's like a shofar in the lulav that we learned, right? In Yavamas and elsewhere. One, it's one of the things that the, the Chazal can, in fact, undo a mitzvah do raisa. The Chazal can undo it, but Shevel Tase. In other words, now Birnbaum pointed out astutely, this is different than shofar and lulav. Shofar and lulav are ceremonies. So on Shabbos, because of a gazer, Hashem, Yavir, Dal, Rabim, right? Because of that, because we're concerned that you'll carry, so then they said, you can do away with blowing shofar and shaking lulav on Shabbos because of a gazer, as long as it's Shev Altase. But, but Birnbaum said there's no victim on the other side of it, right? It's a victimless crime, so to speak, to not shake lulav because, right, all you're doing is omission. But here, you're not paying somebody back, right? So that guy's out the money. 
That's a little bit different. Be that as it may, that's a bias. Sheval it's allowed. And it is for that reason that they allowed Shemitah to be a Midar thing, even when Midar doesn't exist because of the absence of Yobel. But anyways, they, once they do that, Hillel stood up and did the principle to undo that. Um, and therefore you can pay back. So there's no Gazela, etc. Okay. That's all Abaye. However, five lines down, Rava Amar, Hefker, Bezin Haya Hefker. A totally different reason that gives Hillel the authority to, um, to not cancel the loans of Shemitah, even if it's Doraisa, as Rashi points out, because of the concept of Hefker, Bezin Hefker. Oh. See, Rava, the elegance of his pshat, somebody said, uh, I noticed that Rava is your guy, and yesterday was one of the Yalka Gams, the acronym for the six times where Abaya is true over, over Rava. Hashem spared me that I, I was not unable to be here, to go, I didn't have to be here to experience that. But yeah, the truth of the matter is, it just makes Rava greater, right? He could say, I am H O, in my humble opinion, when he gives a shot. 99% of the time, he's right. Anyway, so here's Rava saying to Amar of Yitzchak, What's Hefker based in Hefker? Hefker based in Hefker. It means like this Hefker based in Hefker means that whenever Anybody has any money, it's not really theirs. All money is on the assumption that the Bezdin has the authority to move around money as they see fit. Everyone relinquishes their money literally like it's Hefker. It's not my money. It's Bezdin's money. And once you do that, so then a loan isn't really a loan, right? A payback isn't really a payback. It's Chazal having the authority, the Bezdin having the authority to move money around and therefore... That is how it works. How do we, what's the source? Ezra and Nehemiah came back, right? The kibbutz Goliath the second time. Not a lot of people wanted to come. A lot of people were married to shiksas. There was like not the best crew, not the best crowd in Klal Israel. And so the people needed to be punished in certain ways. They needed to have land confiscated. And, and Ezra and Nehemiah is the Ave Bezdin had the, Right, the authority to do so. How did they have the authority? The Pasuk says in Ezra that he was able to Yecharam to put like a, a lien, a confiscation on all of their possessions. From where? Who gives you the authority? Yeah. Hefker Bezin Hefker. Right? That's where you, you learn. That's one of the sources that the rabbis have the authority to do that. Rabbi Lazar, Amar Mehacha, Elan Avos. Right? It goes back to earlier, right? When you're talking about Yeshua. When they're giving up the chiluk hashvatim and they're giving out the land, what gives you the right, rabbis, to decide who gets what land? Isn't that like like real estate business? No, that's a that's the hefker based in hefker. As and then the gemara asks, avos. What is the difference between leaders and avos? It's a comparison. So just like right, it's a financial thing when a parent bequeaths bequeaths right to their children. They could decide how to split it up, right? Their will. So two leaders, so the Sanhedrin, as it were, as Rashi explains, they can uh, apportion money as they see fit. Fourteen lines down. So we ask the question. So that's a, that's Rava, okay? Rava saying hefker bez and hefker. Once it's hefker bez and hefker, you could do a principle because you could say we want to do this anyway that we that we see fit. So now says the Gemara. Kiskin hill principle. Adari was talking. Odil Adari alma talking. When Hill made this takana. Did he make it just for his generation? You have to understand what this question is. The question is, did he make it based on a svara because it uh, applied to his generation? Or maybe he said it categorically. Dilma Ladari Alma, Nami He said, I don't care. This is going to be everywhere and always disposable. 
Lemayin will be the difference. Of course, the difference is levatulei. Can you undo it if it's categorical? If he said it, it's circumstantial for his generation, so then you can undo that takana and undo away with prosbole. But if Hillel said it categorically, every place and every time should always have a prosbole. A whole sugi in itself. You can't have a bezdin undo the bezdin. Uh, earlier Bezdin of Hillel, unless they are greater, Bechachma, in wisdom, and Uvaminion, and in number, a whole sugi in itself. Well, the point is, my, what's the answer? Did Hillel actually do it for his own generation or categorically for everyone? The Gemara says, Tashma, the Amr Shmuel, Shmuel said, that Prusbal, as a transaction, uh, as, as an institution, was only practiced in Surah and Nahardah. Well, and if you're going to say that Hillel's Takana of Prusbal was, uh, was meant for everybody always, categorically, so then they would be true for everybody always, not just in terms of gen- temporally, uh, time-wise, but geographically, right? Because it's for everyone. It's supposed to apply to everyone, and therefore, why would it only be limited to Surah Nadah? So the Gabar, Dilma Kitagan Hillel, Dari Alma, Kagon Beidina Diday. Now, maybe Hillel only allowed prosbols to be given out by courts like himself, which was like a high court, like Surah Nadah were. Like Ravami and Ravasi of his generation, of his place, uh, right? The, the highest courts could only give it out. Uh, you need to really know what you're doing to have that authority. But not just any old Bezdin off to the side. And it is, there, but, but it's still for generations, but not for every Bezdin in every generation. So, Tashma, so what's the, so what's the issue? How do we resolve? So we know Shmuel was actually derogatory about Prisbul. He says it's an ulbana, it's an affront, it's an embarrassment. If I had the, as Rashi says, if, if I had the authority, I would have canceled Prisbul. Avtiline? Cancel it. Don't flatter yourself, Shmuel. You don't have the authority to cancel it. You, in order to be to cancel a uh, a bezdin's psak, you can only do so. Right? You don't have. You're not greater in chachma and minyan than Hillel. So what are you saying? I would have canceled it. Yeah. So the Gemara says that, that's what he meant. Yeah. If I had the authority, which I don't. Right? Yeah. If I had more authority than Hillel, I would have canceled it, but I don't, so I can't. But the point is, he was derogatory. He didn't like Prusbul. Rav Nachman Amar Akaimena. Rav Nachman had the opposite. He loved the Prusbul. He said, I would have, had, I would have actually confirmed it. Akaimena? The Gemara asks, well, you have to confirm it? Hamakayim Vakai. You don't have to confirm it. It's, it's, it's confirmed. It, does not, it doesn't need your help. So Now, if Nachman meant, not that I would confirm and reaffirm the Takana of Hillel, but rather I would say that even without writing the Prusbul, the money doesn't get canceled out. Wow, so 11 lines up from the bottom, we have two minutes. We don't know what Ulbana means. So we say it could mean one of two things. Either way, it's derogatory. But Chutzpah means that it's a Chutzpah, right, to do for the Chazal to uh, not cancel the loans. Or it means nichusa, which actually explains they're lazy. Like it's out of convenience because they don't want to have to deal with every court case that would happen up against Shemitah when people want their money back. So Tashma. So which, what does Ulbana mean? So one is Damar Ula Aluva Kalashizinsa Bekerf Kupasa. Right? That's a chutzpah. 
that it's how shameless is the kala that's unfaithful even under the canopy. What's the context? I'm a Rav Mari Barad Rav Shmuel my Kra, right? The son of Shmuel's daughter. He says the pasuk is Acha Melch b'Misibo Nirdi Nasan Recho, right? Ula said that while the king was still at the banquet, their perfume no longer smelled good. What's the case? I'm a Rava Adain Chavusa Hugaban. That that pasuk, right, is re, is referring to the disgrace of Klal Yisrael. That that in fact it's referring to Klal Yisrael that they sinned with the Cheta Egel at the foot of Har Sinai, which is a crazy thing to do. And yet we see at that point Hashem says thinks of Klal Yisrael. You know what? I, the the uh, blooms off the rose, right? They don't smell quite as sweet as I thought when I gave them the Torah. Well, he says, it's nice of them to say they don't smell quite as sweet. That's like a nice way of saying it. What they really do is they stink. When he said they don't smell quite as sweet, that was almost like a loving way of saying it. So, uh, final idea here, a moment that a person who's embarrassed but doesn't embarrass in response, or hears disgrace but doesn't reply. Person who worships Hashem from Ava or is happy with suffering. The Pasuk in, in Shoftim, where we say, on those people, say, they who love Hashem, will like a sun going forth in the night. So we'll continue with my principle at the very bottom, Lamvav and Beis, tomorrow. And Bezrat Hashem, uh, we will accept the fact that it's a minute late uh, with Be'ahava, I hope. I'm sorry, Matt. And.